I just do what your book said to do, which is call my past clients four times a year. And I check in with them. I say, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of agents get caught up in like, what do I say after three years? It's, it's kind of weird. Like I spent so much time with them while I was finding a property for them. And then I've kind of lost touch. And I think you just, I think you just own it. Welcome to the consistent and predictable income community podcast. The CPI methodology is the only system that teaches the proprietary process of CPI, which is the key to having consistent and predictable income for salespeople without letting time, money, and relationships fall through the cracks. Josh Anderson is the owner and a real estate consultant of the Anderson Group. Josh consistently knew there wasn't any path around a hard day's worth of effort on the off chance you needed to succeed. He later built upon these lessons during the eight years he served in the army, including a 10-month visit to Afghanistan with Operation Enduring Freedom. The habit of discipline in helping at home and abroad has been the key to his prosperity, as he sold a year ago with more than $135 million in real estate. In the newest episode of the CPI podcast, Josh will share how he captures quality leads. My name is Dan Roshan. I'm the host of the CPI Podcast, which is the real estate show designed to help top producing agents leverage and scale your business, allowing you to earn more money in less time for seasoned agents to help you get to the next level of stable income and for new agents to help you find the right way to freedom and money so that each of you can reach your potential as a person and as a real estate agent which means you'll have certainty in your future. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Today, I am privileged to have the opportunity to be joined with Josh Anderson from Nashville. And Josh and I are going to be talking today about how he sold $135 million in real estate in 2020, which is Pretty amazing because I heard there was like a pandemic or something during that time. So that's pretty awesome. So Josh, welcome. Excited to be able to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. So you're the owner of the real uh, real estate consultant group, Anderson Group. Yeah. And I know that you've um, served eight years in the Army. Thank you for your service and spent 10 months of that in Afghanistan for Operation Enduring Freedom. And so Josh... Welcome to the show and um, tell us about yourself. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. So um, yeah, I'll just kind of jump in from the start and give you a digested uh, version. I um, originally from Nashville, uh, grew up in Louisiana, graduated from LSU and moved back. Uh, So I graduated in finance and economics, worked at an investment bank. And um, I think I had an idea in my head of what finance was going to be. And it, 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 I created a different story in my head than what it actually was. So I uh, ended up getting into real estate in April of 2006. I started with Keller Williams. I've been with them 15 years later. Um, yeah, I sold 23 or 24 houses my first year. Uh, it was like three and a half million in volume and just kind of uh, grew like 50 to 100% each year for like the first five or six years. Um, started building a team in late 2010. Um, kind of fast forward 2019, we crossed over kind of that hundred million mark and then 2020, 
Um, we were all good and prepared. We had a tornado here in Nashville the week before the pandemic started. Oh, goodness. So we were we were busy. Um, and then the pandemic happened. And like, so most of our businesses uh, pass some kind of referral, past clients, database, um, word of mouth. And um, so we do a lot of client events. Well, that all went out the window for 2020, obviously. Yeah. And it was pretty scary just, you know, uh, for obvious reasons, but we had everything so planned out and obviously that put a huge wrench in, in everything. And, um, you know, but we worked, we worked extra hard and uh, it ended up being a really good year. I, the, the first thing I did was like, I was cutting expenses and cut, 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 cut. Yeah. I mean, I not need to get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't know what, what the next three, six, 12 months was going to look like. And it ended up being fine, but it also makes you, that made me realize there were things that we were paying for that we didn't really need. Um, so it was that piece of it was good, but you know, I, I think what made the, the 2020, the year a little bit easier was our business has always pretty been, it's been pretty steady. And so uh, being able to, being able to consistently make the phone calls and check in with all of our friends and clients made it easy because we had been kind of conditioned to do that the whole time. So you didn't really change much uh, except cutting the, ex the unnecessary expenses was pretty much the only thing you changed. And mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the uh, client appreciation events, did you do those virtually? We did some virtually. Um, we ended up kind of shifting over to giveaways more than uh, any client events. So okay. Mother's Day, we did giveaways and Father's Day, we did giveaways and just different. We, we partnered with a lot of restaurants, sure. did videos with, and then we do like a 50 or $100 giveaway for you know some of my clients that own pizza joints or coffee shops or things like that. So we kind of on the fly did some of that stuff. And then we did some bigger things that were like, scavenger hunts that were like big giveaways so that's cool so yeah. what's your, what does your team look like today what, what's the organizational structure of your team yeah so we have uh 15 people on the team we've got uh, myself i'm still in production i do primarily the listing side of the business and then um director of operations transaction coordinator listing manager director of operation or i'm sorry director of marketing uh we've got inside sales and then we've got a couple of virtual assistants in the background. So that's kind of the administrative side. And then we've got uh, two senior agents that have been with me for about 10 years each. And then we've got three or four other, you know, kind of regular buyer agents. And then we've got some junior agents and showing agents. How many agents altogether? So we have um, right now, so at the, uh, we've got 10 agents total. Including Myself, yourself? Yeah. Got it. And so would you consider yourself sort of like the CEO and the listing agent and maybe in director of sales? Would, would that be true? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Too many. And I got you. I got you. I, I can understand that story myself. <laughs> I also had those three roles. Uh, yeah. Are you, are you, do you have plans to, uh, to, to elevate any of those out of your world or, or are you happy with, you know, with that structure? You know, I think I, I think that, um, you know, building out the ISA department kind of inbound and outbound uh, has been somewhat of a challenge. Okay. There's a lot of people that don't love the idea of uh, being on the phones all day. I yeah. had, we interviewed somebody last week and she said, yeah, I just don't really want to make phone calls. I was like, okay. That's a, that's a, that's a disqualifier for an ISA. Is that what I understand you say? <laughs> it's like, that's going to probably cut you out of this position. <laughs> 
Um, and then, you know, just replacing myself as a listing agent, I'd like to be able to spend more time just doing business development, bringing in business sure, out shaking hands. And that's what I'm best at. And, uh, it's, it's, I'm not able to do enough of it when okay. I three or four other hats I'm wearing. Yeah. I understand that. So you, I heard you say about the client care transaction coordinator. Did I hear you or did I miss it? Do you have a listing assistant? I do. Um, okay. I'm to call her a listing manager, listing coordinator. Okay. Listing um, manager. Okay. Yeah. So she's, she's licensed and she helps me on some showings and things here and there, but she really is kind of taking it from the time we put it on the market. She's taking care of everything in the background. Got it. Yeah. And is she partnering with the transaction coordinator as a, as a part of that as well? And then you're getting involved as necessary. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So I heard you say that a lot of your business now is coming from your sphere, from referrals, from past clients, et cetera. Walk us through that journey. So 2006, you were at that point hitting sort of the end of a top of a market and then things, you know, turn, turn to the downside. Yep. So talk us back through those first couple of years. What did your sales business look like, say in 2007 and eight? Yeah. So um, looking back on, it, it's really interesting because, you know, so I had about a year and a half of seeing a good market before I think September of 2007 was like the tip top pinnacle of that market. Yeah. And it kind of all went downhill from there. And I was so busy in the business that I knew there were mortgage issues. I knew people were getting all these crazy loans, but I had my head down and I was just like so set on making contacts and setting appointments that I didn't realize how bad it was until like 2010. And, and I, but I, I never really, you know, I think a lot of agents get talked into being like, oh, well, it's a terrible market. So I'm just not doing very good. Um, I kind of filtered all that out and just kept doing what I was told was boring, but successful. And you know, what was that? What was boring and successful that you did during those, during those years? You know, I think, so it's just the basics and it's, it's what I kind of coach and train our team on is, you know, it's having a database and adding, adding to it every day and every week, adding value to it, calling it, you know, it's kind of jab, jab, punch, you know, add value, add value. And then you can ask for business. Um, it's knowing your scripts. And I know scripts is kind of a dirty word. I just tell people like, you've probably had thousands of conversations in your life and you've never had to do it from a business purpose. And so, you know, to me, a script is kind of a skeletal outline of, of this conversation and it's, the better questions you ask, the better answers you get. And so we were never, I don't think we were programmed or taught to ask really great questions. You just kind of ask. And it's so interesting if you just ask it a little bit different, how how much differently packaged it is and how different of an answer that you get. Um, so can you give us an example? You know, I, well, I don't have one off the top of my head. I, I think yeah. it's, I think a lot of times it's, uh, I'll think of one, but it's, it's, um, I know I threw you on a spot there. So. No, it's good. I, I think a lot of times agents are like, for example, calling a, you know, a seller and they go, eh, I don't want to sell right now. And they're like, okay, I'll call you in six months. Instead of saying, well, would you be willing to buy at this price? Another sure. unit in that development and just kind of working different angles and asking more questions instead of stopping, you know, when they say no instead of just pushing a little bit harder and seeing what other angles you can work from. Um, the other piece is just like, you know, besides your sphere, picking, picking one or two lead generation sources, whether it's door knocking, open houses, expireds. Um, I've built my business on expireds. Uh, there really aren't any these days, but to me, those people had already raised their hand and said, I'm willing to pay X commission and 
I want to sell my house, which yeah, is what, a little bit different than a for sale by owner, which, you know, they were kind of sometimes testing the water or didn't want to pay a commission. You already know 87% of all real estate agents fail in this business. And you also know it doesn't have to be that way. If you're a real estate agent and you're looking for consistent and predictable income, I invite for you to get your free copy of Real Estate Evolution, the 10-step guide to CPI, consistent and predictable income for real estate agents. And you can do so when you visit www.therealestateevolution.com. I'll share with you your book that I authored to show you the way. And it's free. You just have to pay for the shipping. Thanks. Yeah. So what I heard you say is something similar to what I teach as well, which is get a long-term strategy, which is typically going to either be your sphere or a neighborhood and, you know, or both, right? Uh, that neighborhood could be your sphere and then get one to two short-term strategies such as expires for sale by owners, uh, internet leads, Facebook leads, whatever you want to do. And you, I, I believe you have to have both particularly early in your business because you have to eat today Yep. And that long-term strategy, which, which you employed with being the sphere of influence, that feeds you for a lifetime because as long as you're connecting with them regularly, adding value to their lives, contributing to them, they'll be able to, just like what you said, jab, jab, punch, they'll be able to, when you when you ask, you know, after hitting value, 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 oh, by the way, who do you know, they'll be able to, to reciprocate. Would, am I understanding everything you're saying correctly? Correct. Yeah. And I, and I also tell people team and, and other, anybody that's asking, I, you know, to me, lead generation sources are, are kind of like the chair that you're sitting in. It needs three or four legs. Otherwise it's going to be a little bit wobbly and you can't rely on one. Like this, the sphere thing is, is great, but until you've built it big enough and done it long enough for them to really trust you to get consistent referrals, you need other pieces coming in to kind of fill, you know, add to that. Um, and then the other stuff that that I think agents don't want to know or, or they, they struggle with because they're so busy is I think you've got to know your numbers. So, like, you need to know how many dials you need to make to, to, to get a contact and how many contacts you need to set an appointment and how many appointments you have to set to show. You just like in the first three years, I I totally was like, whatever. I, I didn't do any of that um, because you, didn't you mean you didn't track is what you mean by didn't do any of that. Yeah, I just, okay. it, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things that like after after a long day, the last thing was like, I need to know my numbers, but I figured if I made enough phone calls, then it would work itself out. And, and it did. But now, you know, I really look at all the data and how we, now that I have a team and I want to know wh where we're getting the majority of our business so we can throw more money there or take money away over here. And, um, and then the other, the last piece is probably the time blocking and just, you know, agents struggle with time blocking um, and preparing the night before. Like on Sundays, I spend an hour or two every Sunday kind of looking at my calendar for the week, knowing what appointments I have. And then just being able to block off like every morning from 830 to 1130, I lead generate outbound only. It's just what I do. And it's well, for me. So outbound only. So if, if somebody that you're calling returns that phone call, do you answer or do you wait till 1130? Uh, if I'm, if I know that I just called that person, then, and I recognize the number, then I'll, I'll answer it. But if it's just like, if it's an agent I'm doing a deal with, they're going to get a call back, you know, sure. in early afternoon. Yeah. 
What would you do, Josh, if today was day one in your sales business? It's a little, it's, well, actually, it's probably not too much of a different environment than when you actually started. Right. Uh, given the marketplace today, uh, hopefully we don't have that same, you know, massive correction as, as we did back in, you know, 2007. What would you do today, Josh, if you were, today was day one in your business? <clears throat> to get, to get now business? Or whatever. Just, like today, yeah. you just got your license yesterday. Congratulations. Now what? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's drinking out of a fire hose. I, if it was day one and I was wanting to, you know, whether it was joining an office or a team, um, I think a lot of people join teams and they look up and realize they might've joined the wrong team or they joined a team too early or, um, so I think the very first things I would do, so I did 65 open houses my first year. Okay. Um, I, I knew just from being in the office for a couple months that no agents that had their own listings wanted to do open houses on Sunday. Right. And so I don't know that I closed very many deals from that many open houses, but I got really comfortable talking to complete strangers and seeing what questions worked and which questions didn't and following up with them. And um, so I would do a combination of open houses. Um, I did a lot of handwritten notes starting out. And then I got really involved in nonprofit and or community so I, I didn't really have any money starting out. So I went and I went to I went online and looked at all these different events that I wanted to go to, but I couldn't really afford to go to because they were like sure. 40 or 50 bucks to, to go to a, a beer festival, whatever. And then so I, I would just go to the executive director or the co-chair and say, hey, can I volunteer for this event? Volunteer for an hour. And then I'd like just kind of stand next to the executive director because I said, I don't know anybody in town. Will you introduce me to people? And that's what they did. And that's how I built my, I added people to my database. And from the time I met them, I would just email them and say, hey, nice to meet you. Would you like to grab a cup of coffee? So, Josh, that's interesting because that follows the same pattern of what we were talking about previously. Of course, your business has evolved. Yet, I just heard you say, basically, short-term strategy, I'm going to do an open house 65 in one year. Long-term strategy, I'm going to create relationships that I don't already have established. Here's one way that I could do that through the networking and through meeting the connectors, smart move, and then asking those connectors. And I'm sure that you were probably also seeking how you could help those uh, connectors as well. You sure. know, when you're, you know, I'm sure the, the question, how can I help you was probably first and foremost out of your mouth when you were approaching yeah. them. Would, would I, is that a, a true assumption? Yeah. And, and it, and it worked out because some of those people that I, I, I mean, I, I, still stay in touch with them. Yeah. Even like my first listing I ever got was a for sale by owner and I still stay in touch with them. I talked to, I talked to him three or four times a year. Um, okay. and, and that, and, and ongoing, that's, I think what I've done so well is, um, you know, Jay, Jay Papazan and, and Gary Keller interviewed me on stage a couple of years ago and they go, so what are you doing different? And I said, I, I just do what your book said to do, which is call my past clients four times a year. And I check in with them. I say, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of agents get caught up in like, what do I say after three years? It's, it's kind of weird. Like I spent so much time with them while I was finding a property for them. And then I've kind of lost touch. And I think you just, I think you just own it. Like, Hey, we've lost touch. I've done a crappy job of staying in touch with you. I was in your neighborhood for a final walkthrough and I just made me think of you and just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. I love that advice, Josh. Another way that I also approach that as well, because you mentioned the client appreciation event 
And so if you don't, you know, have, if you haven't talked to somebody in three years, that's always a good way to uh, re-engage in the conversation as well. Similar type thing. Hey, Josh, I was just thinking about you. I know we've lost, lost touch yet. I'm doing a taco night over at my house next week. Love to, you know, see you in the, in the baby and the missus. And, you know, I'd love to come on by, have some tacos, you know, so something like that as well. And so that's kind of why we started doing our client events. Is yeah, to give them a reason to call, right? Yeah. So my agents were having, they were kind of struggling with making the calls. And sure. like, I said, okay, well, we'll just do, you know, a big event quarterly. And that way you're touching base with them every quarter. Just a reminder, hey, we're having this, you know, taco night next Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. And it was like an easy touch. And then if they show up, great. And if they don't, you still, it was still a touch. Absolutely. And you can also add on there Eventbrite touches, Google Calendar touches, emails, texts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that you can even you can make eight touches for one invitation, really mail mail something to their doorstep. Yep. So, Josh, so this is really great. I appreciate this. What would you say is the biggest mistake that you've made in business or the most significant mistake that you've made in business? Or not even maybe a mistake, but just like the, ne- the most negative consequence. There's so many. I don't even know. What- <laughs> um, no, I think, you know, I think when you get in this business, I, you, you try everything because everybody says, well, you know, you just one sale pays for it for the entire year. Right. Um, for whatever it is. And I think the biggest, I don't know if it's the biggest mistake, but the, the biggest aha for me was always kind of going back to my database and realizing our team, you know, we're good at follow-up, but we're not, we're not like, we don't specialize in like internet leads. Mm-hmm. We can convert them, but you know, with all the stuff that we do and getting, you know, some of these teams that are getting 500 internet leads a month, you know, back in the day when you could do the Craigs, Craigslist ads and all sure. that stuff, I mean, people were just producing, you know, after a couple of years, it's like, okay, you have an extra 10,000 leads. Like, what are you, it's just bogging down the system. And so I'd rather quality over quantity and I'd rather work with people that already know us, like us and trust us. And so I've gotten away from that a couple, not, not away from it. I've tried to add in internet leads and other uh, lead sources that, that we weren't in control of over time. And it's all, I've always gone back to, we're just, we're not the team that converts internet leads at a super high level. We, we're good at, staying in touch with our database. And so those are, that's not like a huge mistake, but they're, they can be pretty costly mistakes every time you do them. You know, yeah. like every time you do a year's worth of Zillow. I mean, I have some friends that have teams. I mean, they're, they've got their teams where they're paying $25,000 a month to Zillow, which is insane, but it works for them. It's just, to me, it's a huge risk for what the reward is. And it can be a great reward. Um, we just, I'd rather give that money to, to my database and love on my database and have a beer with people that we already are in business with. Yeah. It's a hard investment too. I mean, shagging down Zillow leads is a lot harder than going to go have a beer with your buddy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? You know, so it's just a harder way to do business. I do both though. I, I, I actually balance because today's Craigslist and for those listening or viewing, when Josh was talking about the Craigslist strategy years ago, you could advertise properties on Craigslist and link your URL to direct them to your site, pick up their information and to be able to get that lead. Today's Craigslist will be really doing the same on Facebook, advertising a property on or a home on, on uh, Facebook and capturing the lead in that sense. Um, so that's sort of like the same strategy, just a different platform. 
So yeah, you definitely have to, you definitely have to have some of both for sure. I mean, sure. we're still doing some Facebook and Instagram and, you know, we're playing around with all of our videos that we have on YouTube and trying to hack that. Um, we've, we've gotten really great traction on our uh, reviews online. So Zillow and Google and, um, so how did you do that? How did you manage to get good traction on the, on the reviews? Is there a system that you use for that? Uh, it's a manual system. I mean, it's just, that's what know, I mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, there are systems out there. I, I think for us, it was, um, we got really purposeful about Google reviews in 2018. And the reason I picked okay. Google reviews was primarily because I, you know, everybody was kind of on the Zillow train and I just said, well, I think Google can buy Zillow if they want. And if they wanted to do away with their, you know, reviews, they could. And I don't think anybody can really buy Google. Um, they're, they're just, they're just the, the beast. Right. And the second biggest, I mean, the second largest search engine is YouTube, which they also own. And there's some overlapping analytics there. I just, so we just started asking between our, at the very beginning, our buyer consultation all the way through past close, we ask for reviews. And if we're doing a great job, we shouldn't feel bad about asking for reviews because that's how we build our business. And that's what we tell our clients, say, this is how we build our business. So you felt more comfortable or felt that you had more control outside of Zillow rather than uh, within Zillow in regards to soliciting those reviews. I'm sure you have a ton on Zillow as well, though. Is that true as well? Yeah, we, we have, uh, we just didn't focus on it as much. Yeah. We, we have it on our website where somebody can go on and review us on any of them. Um, yeah, I, I think the reason I started thinking about the whole Zillow thing was, and it's and it's coming true of they're, they're becoming a brokerage and they can do away with our past sales and our reviews if they want pretty easily. And I think they're already doing that in some areas and people that have spent a ton of time and money and energy are getting pretty frustrated with that. Recently wrote the book, Real Estate Evolution, the 10 step guide to CPI, consistent and predictable income for real estate agents. I wrote this book because I have sold real estate since 2007 and developed an immense amount of experience and knowledge. During my journey, I've witnessed hundreds and maybe even thousands of real estate agents fail in this business. And I firmly believe that that's a shame. In real Estate Evolution, I will show you the exact steps that I have used as a real estate salesperson to sell one to 15 homes every single month for the past 129 consecutive months. It took me more than two decades to learn the sales and persuasion techniques and more than one decade to master the real estate sales techniques to be able to produce the content that makes up this book. It took me more than a year to write at a pace of three hours every single day. If you're a real estate agent and you're looking for consistent and predictable income in your business, I invite you to get the book, Real Estate Evolution, and you can get that by visiting www therealestateevolution.com and I'll even give it to you for free as long as you pay for the post. Yeah, it's an unfortunate unfortunate circumstance. Yeah. Yet what I hear you sharing, you know, throughout this entire conversation is to be, you know, you can't control if it's raining outside or not. What you can control is are you going to bring an umbrella? That's right. And and if it's raining outside, you know, if you choose to be upset about it, then, you know, that's probably not a, a wise use of energy. So the reality of it is Zillow is going to do whatever Zillow is going to do. So what is Josh going to do? Josh going to say, well, I'll go to Google because, you know, it's more protected, or at least you believe that, that it's more protected. Feels that way so far. I'm sure they'll get in the game at some point. Maybe so. So 
135 million in 2020. And that was up from 100 million the previous year. Is that what I heard you say? Yep. So that's a, that's a, I mean, you know, when you hear those two numbers side by side, uh, it doesn't, you know, like, oh, 135 and 100 seems sort of like the same number. Yet, yeah. when you actually like think about what, what you just said is 35 million, that in of itself is a big number. Yeah. Right. Like if you if yeah. you were having this conversation with me right now, I say, hey, Dan, I had 35 million in sales last year. That in of itself would be impressive. Yeah. Right. So so let's talk about that. So what challenges specifically did you have in that 35 percent growth in a short period of time? I think the I think the biggest challenges always in real estate is it comes down to who you're who you're in business with and mm-hmm. like us being so busy in the transactions in 2020 that we didn't have the ability to necessarily kind of slow down and hire. I mean, and we did hire a few people. Um, but when you're that busy, it's hard to add in the complete interviewing, hiring process, checking references and all these things without cutting corners on it. And um, I think that's got to be the forefront if you're building a team anyway, it's, it's got to be the forefront of like, you're always looking for great people to be in business with. And so that was probably, and, and still is kind of our ongoing challenge because our market's even crazier in 2021. I don't know that our, um, I don't know that we might be at 135 million. We might be at 150 million. I don't, I don't know how it's going to shake out. We started kind of slow. We're at the same year to date. We're at the same GCI goal. Um, uh, so it, it, that's just been the biggest challenge is like finding more people to get in business with that are people we want to be in business with. And so one of the things that you, we, we talked about earlier of like working with past clients and just going to grab a beer with them. One of my, one of my tests now is like, would I, would I go have a beer with this person? Just, just for fun, just to hang out. Do I even like them? <laughs> right. And, and so, you know, you, I kind of lump life into these three little categories of work, personal and sleep. I mean, that's kind of eight hours on each of those. And if I'm spending as much time with people at work as I do with my family, I, they, they got to be awesome. So you break it into those third, third, third work, uh, family or work, personal sleep. Are you disciplined on eight hours a day? Do you work more than that? Is it, does that, is one flow into the other or? How's that look like? Uh, no, I'm pretty, you know, I, I've, I've set my calendar up to where I'm pretty much home. I'm home almost always before five o'clock. Okay. Uh, you usually probably more like three 30 or four. And I'd almost rather do like, you know, I don't do, I don't work a ton on the weekends. If I work on the weekends, it's like I'm going to a listing appointment when I'm done or it's two listing appointments on Saturday and then I'm done for the day. Um, so it's, I kind of just have structured it. I don't want to be in traffic and getting home at seven o'clock from a, from a listing appointments. Do you find yourself in the later evenings, you know, having to check emails, anything like that? Or are you, are you hundred percent turned off? I, I mean, I'll check some emails on my phone, but I'm not opening my computer. I'm just not, I've done it for so long that I think I'm just kind of like, ah, I'll, I'll get up. I'll get up a little bit earlier and do it. The next It'll week. still be there. <laughs> That's right. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. The idea of trying to like clean out my inbox, I've I've gave up on that a long time ago. So it's 
is what it is. I, uh, my aspiration is to keep it less than 50. I'm actually pretty good. You know, I, I had a chiropractor appointment earlier today and I was there about an hour early. And just like you, I spend maybe a little bit different, but every Monday morning, I spend about three or four hours early in the morning getting ready for my week. Yeah. And I didn't wake up as early this morning as I normally do. So I got to the chiropractors early and I'm on my computer. And by the time I saw him, I was less than 50 emails. And, I, awesome. you know, that to me is like that is that's the biggest win of the week right there. Just get my, less than 50. My wife can zero her her inbox out. I don't I, mine's a disaster. So, well, yeah. Hey, you know what? You have the right at 135 million to do whatever you want in your emails. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. So Josh, so I know that you're always looking for talented people and I know that you're looking for, obviously for, for home buyers and home sellers. So if you are, and, and I bet that you have a tremendous amount of opportunity for the right person within your organization, whether that be it as an inside sales agent or as a real estate agent, uh, transaction coordinator, client care, how could somebody, if they're looking to expand their world and they're in the Nashville area, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, you can go to our website. So all of our all of our uh, career opportunities are on our website. It's just joshandersonrealestate.com. Um, that's probably the easiest place to go look. That or find me on social. Um, and I, I'm happy to give my email address. Go ahead, throw it out there. Yeah, it's just josh at joshandersonrealestate.com. I think we can remember that. Josh at joshandersonrealestate.com. Sometimes it pays to have a simple name, right? That's right. Yeah, and it's not John Smith, right? It's it's somewhat unique, but it's and it's simple. That's right. Well, Josh, I really appreciate your time today, and I wish you yeah. much continued success. Keep you know knocking out of the park and being an uh, inspiration to all of us. And uh, thank you, Josh, and uh, I hope to be able to help you in, in some time as well. Yeah, if you're ever in Nashville, give me a shout. Let's do it. See you, Josh. Yeah. Hate the feeling of missing out and not knowing where to start. Aside from grabbing a copy of The Real Estate Evolution, the 10-step guide to CPI, we also encourage you to join our ever-growing group, the consistent and predictable income community. Apply for membership on Facebook and visit us at thecpicommunity.com online to listen to our previous superstar interviews. Hey, I just had the best 45 minutes interviewing Dan Roshan. He's from Virginia, right outside the D.C. area. He's been in a stable market for a long time. Within 18 months, he'd created so much success where he was actually able to buy the brokerage as a real estate agent. Dan is a leader of vision, focus, and passion. His enthusiasm is truly infectious. He just came out with a book for real estate agents to kind of help people pivot. We went through and talked about how to succeed in adversity, some of his big traits out there. If you're still listening, it is because you align with the CPI community. That means that you love to learn. You are ambitious, qualified, smart, and professional. Mostly, you understand that you're in charge to design your life. If you do not want to wait until next show is posted, I invite you right now to visit www.thecpicommunity.com, which is the official website of the CPI community. There, you'll have access to eavesdrop on past conversations I've had with the top salespeople, business owners, and entrepreneurs. The content is free and there's no opt-in. If you really want to hit the ground running, 
I encourage you to apply on the homepage of thecpicommunity.com to become CPI certified. It is a compensated service, and those that have become certified have reported back that they have more than tripled their business sales and done so in 20% less time. The CPI certification is a part of the CPI curriculum, which is the blueprint where you will learn the proprietary process of CPI, which is the key to having consistent and predictable income for salespeople without letting time, money, and relationships fall through the cracks. Lastly, I invite for you to share this podcast with others who are competitive, love to learn, assertive, relationship-based, self-starters just like you, so they can also benefit. And please leave us a rating or a review and subscribe now so that you'll be notified of the next show. Thank you again. I'll see you on the next show to your success. If you're a real estate agent and you're located outside of the Washington, D.C. area, and you have a client that wants to buy a home, sell a home, or invest in real estate in the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., Maryland area, consider to refer to me. I promise that when you do so, we'll treat them like gold, update you throughout the process, and most importantly, we'll make you look good. And we'll pay you a nice referral fee. If you're a real estate agent in the Northern Virginia, Maryland, or Washington, D.C. area, and you're seeking certainty and predictability in your business, contact me now. I'd love to be able to set up a conversation to show you how we can help you to close transactions every single month of the year. Just imagine January, February, March, April, May, every month of the year that you have income coming into your pocket to help you and your family. Hit me up on social media or email me, dan at readingsvirginia.com. Love to set up a time to chat.